Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Car Tech Garage podcast, where we keep cars interesting every single week. I don't even like cars. I hate them. Yeah, me too. It's been Especially a long when week. they're broken. It yeah. has, dude. You were freaking rocking it out. I know that you were down in the office today, so that was uh, a little bit different. Yeah, it's been fun. It got me out of my my cage, if you will, working in the office. It's, it's always a fun time. It's a different perspective on things. Yeah, exactly. Instead well, of working on one car at a time, you know, when you're a service advisor, you're pretty much working on all of them just without physically touching them. <laughs> it, it really does feel like that. Yeah. It's like having 10 project cars all at the same time. Yeah. It's just daunting. Anyway, <laughs> we're still happy to be here because, uh, you know, hell, we're breathing. That's yep. great. That's what we do. Yeah, we breathe. <laughs> <laughs> One I thing hope, I'm good at. <laughs> I hope you do too. All right, let's go ahead and buckle up, take a ride through this week in automotive history, try to deliver some decent content to you guys instead of our daily mumbo jumbo about what happened this week. So, <laughs> Let's kick it right off. May 16th, 1948. Of course, this is the week of Monaco, and all you F1 fans out there can't wait for tomorrow. Obviously, today is Saturday, May 22nd. By this time, it'll be Wednesday, so it'll be a little bit past. But nonetheless, um, you know, I guess we'll just have to see how tomorrow goes, and I'm sure you guys will have your thoughts when you finally hear the podcast. But this yeah. day, 73 years ago, um, the Monaco Grand Prix was held once again because from 1938 to 1947 – for a reason. Do you guys remember what reason? Um, I don't think I, so. I couldn't remember. Maybe it was a war or something. Yeah, one um, of those wars. Essentially, <laughs> they started it back again. You know, I mean, essentially, people had, like, totally forgotten about the fact that, you know, the world's most advanced Grand Prix cars got to run around and race on the streets of Monaco, tearing everything up and creating beautiful, beautiful music throughout the countryside there. Um, this time, the race was won by a Maserati because they pretty much dominated the post-war era for a short period of time. And um, the guy's name that won it, it's its a funny one, Giuseppe Farina. Giuseppe. Giuseppe. <laughs> anyway, he's faster than me. Anyway, so how about it, Giuseppe? <laughs> <laughs> See, I was getting all excited. I was like, yeah, there's some tank racing, you know, during the wars. We never tank had any racing. of that. <laughs> You know, I would have been interested. At least keep some people entertained, you know? Oh, my goodness. All right, we have the Tiger Tank versus the M142 Sherman. <laughs> it's a mile race, Is it an but M142 it's going to take Sherman? I can't hours. remember. I don't forget. Something, something. It's a Sherman tank. The world's most boring race. So it the world's be most time. boring race. <laughs> I was going to say, are, are the cannons allowed? Like, I mean, sure, I, I wouldn't it, want to be out front until the very end. Or just, you know, in reverse for extra propulsion you know, as they're going down. See, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. A little dangerous, but it'd be pretty cool. No, I think you're onto something. I yeah. think you just have the race winning formula right there. Okay. Okay. Just fire don't away, t- boys. Don't tell my secret. Uh, well, anyway, <laughs> per your request last week, um, I'm going to yes. do another one on May 16th because this one happened all the way up in 2004. Sebastian Leib, um, or Lub, however you say it, I think it's Lob. He took home victory at the 2004 Cyprus Rally. Now, the Cyprus Rally, obviously, was one of the the rally stages in the World Rally Championship that year. The 32nd Cyprus Rally uh, race to take place. Now, of course, um, Sebastian Loeb is like the winningest rally driver of all time. Uh, French drivers, in fact, he's French, have more rally race wins on the professional stages than any other country, although Finland is pretty hot on the trail. Um, Even current F1 drivers, uh, Carlos Sainz's dad, Carlos Sainz, he would compete in this race as well. He came really? in third. Huh. Yeah, like two and a half minutes behind Lab. I just, you know, I love, I love rally car. You know, I know you're a huge F1, you know, Formula One fan, and rally cars just <laughs> basically every turn you're making, there's a potential for yeah. very bad I things. I mean, it's, to it's really awesome to see those cars flying full tilt 
you know, literally top speed, hardly like steering the car and trying to yeah. maintain grip. They basically steer to pitch the car into the right angle to slip through everything just right as to not hit a tree and die. Yeah. And you're basically going blindfolded minus the guy next to you saying, Hey, there's a turn coming up. <laughs> yeah. Slow down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Or don't whatever. <laughs> do what you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, those Citroen cars that they were driving, those were so badass. Oh yeah. yeah. At that point, it was pretty much Citroen and Ford during those areas that were, you know, just running the entire grid Toyota a little bit before that. It is, it is really interesting to watch, you know, rally driving, mm -hmm. just, you know, keeping up with all the stages and everything, since they have so many different runs, yes. it's, it's a lot of racing to watch, which is a good thing, but you know, it's very time consuming. I just enjoy seeing those people sit right next to the, to the racetrack as these rally cars are shooting over them. Basically <laughs> it's like, well, you know, Guess they're risking death watching one car go by for three seconds. The best thing is, like, back in the 80s, like, people didn't even have, like, camcorders or anything. So it's not like they could remember it after the fact and, like, you know, portray it on video. Like, they just put their head out there and, like, oh, what's going on? Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, hey, didn't have to pay for a haircut. Yes. All right, true. moving forward. May 17th, 1922, almost 100 years ago, um, the first English woman ever to compete in a motor race uh, passed away. Really? Yeah, she was only 40. Her name was Dorothy Elizabeth Levitt. Um, in 1905, she actually established the record for the longest drive ever achieved by a woman. She drove from London to Liverpool and back. And then later that year, after she had got more into motoring, keep in mind this was 1905, so cars were few and far between, she actually set the uh, women's world land speed record. And um, the following year, she upped it to 90 miles an hour. Um, so, I mean, she was definitely a, a pioneer. Now, she ended up writing a book. Uh, called Levitt's book, The Woman in the Car, a chatty little handbook for all women who motor or want to motor. And in that, she like recommended uh, a bunch of like little tips and tricks. She said that you should carry a little hand mirror in a convenient place when driving uh, so you can hold it up and look what's behind you. So inadvertently, she kind of invented the rearview mirror, you know, 10 years before manufacturers even started installing one. And um, she also advised all women traveling alone to carry a handgun. She particularly recommended an automatic Colt because it had low recoil. It sounded like a very detailed book. It that was. Wrote here. Yeah. <laughs> That's really neat, though, especially in the 20s. You know, that was probably kind of a, a weird concept for a woman to write a book about driving. It, it probably was. I, you know, I'm kind of intrigued. Obviously, I've not read it, but part of me wants to. Yeah, I really want to now, too. Yeah. All right, moving forward a little bit more. May 18th, 1968, 53 years ago, Mr. Graham Hill was the first guy to break the 170-mile-an-hour barrier at the Indy 500 in qualifying. Um, a four-lap average of 171 miles an hour. Now, he did it in a very special car, a car that Lotus initially designed to race at Indy and F1, but it proved to be a little bit too heavy for F1, but it did it did fairly well at Indy, obviously. It was called the Lotus 56 Turbine Car. It actually had a Pratt & Whitney turbine engine powering what? all four wheels. And it looks like a little wedge. Yeah, it does. It's really cool. I want to drive it. It looks like one of those like, <laughs> Ram cars that you would use to like run under a car and flip it over you. Yeah, I mean, it literally looks like a six-year-old took like a door wedge, put wheels on it, and that's the race car. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I made like a CO2 dragster, you know, yeah, way back when that looked exactly like that. That's awesome. Now, uh, what was cool, the the following year, he actually, just because we're talking about Monaco and this just popped up in the history books, um, May 18th and 69, Graham Hill actually won the Monaco Grand Prix in, an, in a Lotus. It was a Lotus powered by a Cosworth engine. Um, 
but they actually nicknamed him Mr. Monaco because he won Monaco five times. So that was his nickname back in the 60s and early 70s. Um, all the way up until Ayrton Senna, of course. Yep. You know, I always talk about him, but he was just so dominant in the in you know the, the area that he raced in, and he actually has six wins at the circuit now. So you know, really, the only other guy that that could eventually dethrone them is if he keeps running is, of course, Lewis Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's getting close. Uh, I was going to say he. I mean, he's what is he like thirty six or thirty seven? I can't remember. Yeah, but he, he's obviously still dominant in the sport, and if he remains with Mercedes, I have no doubt that he'll just continue his winning streak. I mean. Mercedes just always seems to be one step ahead. It's incredible watching yeah. Toto just think. <laughs> yeah. All right. May 19th, 1991, 29 years ago, Mr. Willie T. Ribs became the first African-American driver to qualify for the Indianapolis 500. I recommend you guys watch the show called Uppity on Netflix if you want to learn more about Willie T. Ribs. He was a very talented and committed driver. Um, oh, looks like the dog showed up at the station. <laughs> All right, we got to wrap this up because I got to go pep them. But he was a very, very talented and a committed driver. I mean, he raced in Formula Atlantic. He even tested for F1 in 1986, being the very first African American to ever drive a Formula One car. And as you might imagine, he had a lot of pushback from many other racers and teams because of his color. But just like Wendell Scott had in the NASCAR decades earlier, I mean, you know, he still overcame. He kept his vision and just kept driving. And he's now in the history books as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's super cool to hear that too. It really is. I mean, I, and I do suggest you guys watch Uppity. It was on Netflix. It was a very, very great uh, documentary uh, about his life and his racing career. Very interesting. All right. And then last up here, May 20th in 1961. This one's kind of neat. Um, the Ford Motor Company completed a very special car, a very highly modified stretch Lincoln Continental convertible. Now, this was for the U.S. Secret Service to use as a president as a presidential limousine. Um, later dubbed the SS-100X, the limousine is actually the same one that carried President John F. Kennedy down Elm Street in Dallas, Texas, of course, where he was assassinated in 1963. Um, now, not to, you know, obviously linger too long on that, but the really cool part was the car itself. Um, I mean, it had all sorts of crazy stuff done to it. It was uh, three and a half feet longer than a standard Lincoln convertible. So the, the car initially retailed for like $7,000 or something like that, which, you know, obviously back then it was like a $60,000 car. But they repainted it presidential blue metallic, um, lengthened it by three and a half feet. It had like um, over 500 pounds of titanium plates in it. They uh, raised the rear cushion, all sorts of crazy stuff, put a bigger engine in it. It had um, aluminum rubber-coated tires. So it'd be puncture resistant. Really? Yeah. I mean, this car ended up costing them an insane amount. Um, let me see if I can find it here. It, it I, They said it was, um, let me see. Yeah, they, they ended up spending uh, the equivalent to $1,700,000 because at the time it cost over $220,000 to make. It still blows my mind that they went through all of that to make the car, you know, quote unquote, bulletproof. And they didn't put a roof on it. But it was a convertible. (laughs) You know, like I remember, I forget exactly the history on it, but I know kind of after that, obviously that was a a huge tragedy, but they would do those like bubble cars. Mm -hmm. There was all that clear, I guess, you know, bulletproof glass. Yeah, like like the Pope mobile, like where he gets to stand up and he's totally enclosed. And of course, you know, for safety reasons, they can't do that anymore. But, you know, I thought those were always really neat to where you can still have some safety, but still see, you know, everything that's going on. But I think I I was supposed to call it the Pope's car, not the Pope mobile. 
Anyway, now it's permanently the Pope Mobile. <laughs> it's like wearing a bulletproof vest and no helmet, you know, <laughs> like you're still yeah. prone to, to something. Yeah, there's still some weak areas yeah. there. Anyway, <laughs> nonetheless, it was about the car, you know, yeah, I know, so we, I know. we don't talk politics here or anything no. like that on the, uh, on the car tech still, garage. <laughs> I mean, you got to think of just for me, I love this topic because of all of the cool vehicles that have been made over the years, you know, for presidential use and, mm-hmm. and you know, high profile people. Yep. Um, and it's just crazy to see how much money goes into them. And it's basically a, a normal car, but that'd be a fun tank. video to make. Yeah. That'd be a fun video to make like custom armored vehicles and include a lot of the presidential cars in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe something for the future. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's everything. This is a little bit of a short one. Yeah. It's been, I guess, I guess we're going to make some history this week. I guess so. <laughs> well, the cool part is we actually get to drive um, an old Ford Falcon today. It's a three on the tree. Um, we've got a, a, a an event that we're going to in the WDJO, in the WDJO radio station car. And it is an old one, <laughs> of course. <laughs> It'll be fun, though. Yeah, but either way, it's it's going to be pretty interesting driving around with no air conditioning. Anyway, thanks so much for listening to the Car Tech Garage. Um, you know, if you guys have anything you want us to talk about in particular, feel free to go ahead and message us. Uh, we're yeah. on Instagram and Facebook, so whatever you guys want to hear about, I'd be more than happy to oblige. Yeah, and also, you know, for the radio station, 1480 WDJO, they also have an online streaming service, so, you know, what is it? 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, we're on there. So if you guys yeah, ever yeah, do 10 want to tune every in, yeah, you can go online, go to 1480wdjo.net. I think, I think it it's is. 1480 uh, oldies, 1480.net. Okay. And, um, not only that, you guys can get it if you're in the Cincinnati area on FM 99.5 and 107.9. Uh, they are looking to pick up a third FM broadcast mm-hmm. channel as well. So that'll hopefully cover a little bit more, you know, uh, have a little bit more coverage for you Cincinnatians here. Uh, if you guys are, listeners of the Cartech Garage. And again, thanks so much. We'll see you guys next week.